0: Well, why don't we start with a word of prayer right now. Let's ask Jesus to bless us. Father in heaven, we thank you so much again for your grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for the Sabbath. Thank you for the baptisms. And Lord, thank you for all the things that you're doing in our church. We just praise you, God, because we know that when the gospel goes to to all the world, then you're coming back. And we look forward to that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today I'm going to be sharing my testimony about how I became a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Now, I know a lot of people have heard my testimony before, and some even told me that they'll probably, they can probably quote it verbatim. Um, but you know what? For those who haven't heard it, that's okay. You're going to hear it for the first time, and I really believe God's going to bless, because ultimately it's His testimony. Amen? Amen. Don't you like what God is doing? You know, I heard somebody once say this. They said this, the... The church is the audible gospel made visible. The church is the audible gospel made visible. In other words, if people want to see if the gospel works, where do they go? They go to the church. If they want to see the Holy Spirit working, if they want to really see that, the, that God can do what He promised that He would do, where do they go? They go to the church. Folks, and that's why it's extremely important how we worship, it's extremely important how we communicate the gospel, and it's extremely important that the church become, utmost, the center of God's love. Can you say amen to that? I'm so excited. Tonight's going to be our final message, and it's called The Final Prophecy, and it deals with the very last prophecy found in the book of Revelation, and it's about heaven. Can you say amen to that? In fact, when you look at the last few chapters of the book of Revelation that deals with the destruction of the wicked, and it deals with all of eternity, what you discover is that the destruction of the wicked, the destruction of sin, is minimized. In in fact, it's just found in, I believe, Revelation chapter 20, it's just found in a few, few verses, And it's extremely minimized, but the next few chapters of Revelation is maximized, and it's referring to heaven and all of eternity. Can you say amen to that? Because God wants us to realize that heaven is going to be a wonderful place for all the saints. Can you say amen to that? And that's why we're all here. We're all on a journey to heaven. Amen? You know, just really quickly, I know somebody asked a question about tonight and yes that starts at 6 15 dinner it's the last message it's going to be spectacular we're going to end with fireworks no just kidding there's no fireworks there but it's going to be powerful we're going to end up singing some awesome hymns from the uh from the hymnal You're just going to love it how we end this prophecy seminar tomorrow is going to be our resurrection celebration and i know some people have asked a question about the resurrection celebration Are you guys having an Easter program? Or are you guys solemnizing Sunday? No, no, no. We're not doing any of that. We're Seventh-day Adventists. Amen? We believe that the Sabbath is holy. Amen? But what we are doing is simply having a time where God's people can come together, have a delicious lunch, have some worship, and there's going to be exciting activities for parents and their children, including a bounce house. Can you say amen to that? Folks, here's the thing. You can wake up Sunday morning and you can just sit there thinking to yourself, what are you going to do? Or you can come fellowship with the saints of God. Amen? And so that's all it is that's taking place on Sunday. It's called the Resurrection Advent Resurrection Celebration. Well, today's message is entitled The Testimony of Anel Kanda. And you may think, okay, I've heard this before, but I did something different that I think you're going to appreciate. I... I actually found some pictures. And some of these pictures aren't the greatest. In fact, my childhood pictures, many of them are not there. And uh, so we're gonna do our best. I know some of these pictures, I'm not extremely photogenic. I just wanna say that right now. I mean, I am not photogenic at all. I mean, when you see me, I have this odd expression on my face usually. And so, you know, I know they're going to it's going to be quite comical when you see some of these pictures, but that's okay. We want to realize that God is doing a work with this person. Amen. Yes. Amen. Jesus is leading us to heaven. Amen. Now take your Bible. I want you to sh- I want to see I want to show you something. Go to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation is considered the very central part of scripture. When you look at the Hebrew, a chiastic structure, a chiastic structure is basically where you take the beginning and the end, and you close in until you reach the middle part. And what the middle part is, is a very central message God is trying to communicate. So when you look at the first five books of Moses, what you find is that the very center part or epicenter of the first five books of Moses is the Day of Atonement. It's the Day of Atonement. And what God is leading his people to understand is how important is the Day of Atonement. So when you're reading Revelation chapter 12, what you begin to discover that it is in some sense the central part of the book of Revelation. God starts with the history of heaven and he ends where we are at today where the Bible says the dragon was enraged with the woman and meant to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. But take your Bible, we're going to Revelation chapter 12. I'm going to show you something very interesting. Now let's start with verse 7. And war broke out where? Heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. By the way, does anybody know what the word Michael means? The word Michael means he who is like God. Now, why is this very interesting? Because when you read Revelation chapter 13, what you discover is that the whole world is wandering after the Antichrist beast, and you know what they're saying? Who is like the Antichrist? And so what you are seeing here is the original and the wannabe. And so Jesus leads this, all the angels, and there's a great war that takes place in heaven. All of a sudden, the war transitions to earth. But watch what the Bible says next, because this is the verse we're honing in on. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our what? Brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down what you notice is that there is a, a special uh, message that's given in heaven and it's referencing to the cross of Calvary when all of heaven lost its doubt for Lucifer. You read the entire Old Testament, you still see that Lucifer in some sense had access to heaven, but it wasn't until the cross that all doubt went away and that's why the Bible says there was, no, there was not found for him a place any longer. In other words, Lucifer felt like he can go anywhere where people would listen, where the universe would listen. But the Bible says that at that point, nobody in the universe listened to the Lucifer because they knew what the character of God really was. Can you say amen to that? But the Bible says he's called the accuser of our what? Brethren. In other words, he's an individual who is accusing the people of God to God. He's bringing accusations. And we need to be careful of this exact same spirit lest we breathe the same fire of that dragon. Amen? But watch what else the scripture says. Verse 11, this is powerful, and this is the the verse we're honing in on. And they overcame him. Can you say amen to that? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimonies, and they did not love their lives to the death. So I want you to notice something. The Bible talks about a group of people through the entire Old Testament who defeated Satan. When you read the book of Revelation and the rest of the entire New Testament, what you discover is that the word overcome actually appears more times in the book of Revelation than any other book, about 15 times in the New Testament, uh, specifically in the book of Revelation. And so what God is describing is how his people overcame the evil one. The word overcome, the the root word actually is the word Nike. You know what Nike is? Yeah, it's shoes, right? The word Nike means victory. And so what you are finding is that there is a group of people who have gotten victory over the devil, but how? Well, the scripture tells you, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and the fact that they did not love their lives unto death. Three things that the people of God should possess in overcoming Satan. Number one, by the blood of the Lamb. Can you say amen to that? The righteousness of Christ alone. And I praise the Lord because it's still the third angel's message. Amen? Number two, by the word of their testimony. As they have been justified, they begin to bear a message of what God has done for them. And then what takes place is they love Jesus more than anything in this world, more than their own lives. Amen? And by the word of their testimony, these individuals who have been so touched by the goodness of God begin to share their testimony. So I'm going to share with you guys today my testimony or how I became a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. I was born and raised in 1979. That means I'm going to turn 33 this year. (laughs) Well, wait till you see the picture of when I first showed up in this church and now. And so, I was uh, born and raised in 1979, and my parents immigrated from India the year before. My parents come from Punjab, India, which is the northwest side of India, and the Punjabi culture is mainly Sikhism. But my family is not only Sikhs, Sikhs are the ones that wear the turbans, sometimes you guys see them taking for a walk, Sikhs taking, they'll have the turbans. And that's the, the culture that I came from. I grew up in that culture. I also come from a Hindu background. In my house were Hindu statues and idols. And in the Hindu culture, there's over 300 million deities. Actually, Hindu, the, Hindu theologians have a hard time trying to get the fundamentals because it's so diverse in various areas. But this is the culture I came from. I also came from another sect of Hinduism called satsangis. Now, satsangis are individuals who are vegetarian, but they're hardcore vegetarians. They're like, well, that's a good transition to Adventism. But here's the thing. The reason why they were vegetarians is because they believed in the teaching of reincarnation. In other words, each person, based upon their karma or their behavior, will determine where they are in the next phase of life. And so my family was vegetarians because there could be a possibility that you might be eating Somebody who is in the process of turning into a human and eventually reaching the state of nirvana. And so this is the culture that I came from. You know, when people grow up like these things, when they grow up with these things, and this is all they know, to them, Christianity is the odd thing. And so, folks, we need to understand, we're not just, in trying to reach people, we don't just need to try to understand what people believe, but we have to understand the way they think as well. Can you say amen to that? And so this is what I grew up with. I grew up in Southern California, Orange County, born and raised there in Anaheim. That's Disneyland over there. And this is where I grew up. I grew up between two different cultures. I had the Indian culture, and then I had the uh, American culture And there was constantly a tension in my life between which values I should adopt and how I should be going back and forth. Outside of my house, it was America. Inside of my house, it was India. And so on and so on and so on. But this is how I grew up. up. My family is a a very academically inclined family. I don't know how else to describe that. But we grew up in doing a lot of uh, learning. My parents taught that education was extremely important. And it is. Amen? Amen? And so this is how I grew up. I grew up with, when you're free time, you go to the library because that's what you need to be doing. My sisters were helping my dad with their pre- taxes in their preteens. teens uh, my, my oldest sister, she's a lawyer. I have the next sister after who's a doctor. Then I have another sister who's a doctor. Then my sister who's the accountant and my brother who's finishing up his master's in business at USC. And so this is my family background. Very educated. My dad was an individual who worked two jobs. He worked as a janitor, and he worked as a security guard, which are very honorable jobs, amen? If you work hard for your money, it's honorable. And so this is how I grew up. My mom works at a, uh, overnight, she still works overnight at a pharmaceutical factory, And uh, so growing growing up down in Southern California, my life was a a very pleasant life. I mean, I was really blessed having a a good family, a loving family, very busy and very active in my household. And so what you're looking at right now is a picture of my family right there. There's my my sister Ruby, my mom, my brother-in-law, my other sister, my brother there, uh, niece, my other sister Angie, and then this guy, I don't know who he is. And so this is my family. I grew up like this. Now, this is how I grew up when I was younger, okay? And I know it's kind of odd seeing that and seeing a picture of your pastor right now when he was younger. Uh, My mom was somebody who believed in Christmas sweaters and so I wore them a lot, (laughs) oftentimes the, the target of many people's jokes. But that's okay, because here's the thing. Little did I know it, even as a young child, the Holy Spirit was guiding my life. Even as a young child, the Holy Spirit was working. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you don't know where he comes from or where he goes, indicating... One does not know when the Holy Spirit has actually started the work. We saw, several, we saw three people who got baptized today. But folks, understand something. They didn't just make a decision just the last three weeks. The Holy Spirit had been working on their lives a long time ago and led them to come to this point. Can you say amen to that? And oftentimes, he will bring us to various stages in our lives, and then all of a sudden, with power, he will speak to us, and he says, make the next step. And step by step, the Holy Spirit leads us. As a young child, around, actually around the age of 12, I should say, it wasn't very young, but 12 years old, down in Southern California, all the Indians actually get together for a celebration. And what they're celebrating is the day of independence when India was freed from Britain rule. And so all the Indians will come together on August 15th, and what they'll do is have a giant fair where they'll just be Indians for miles, and there'll be just a cultural show, and there will be several booths that are set up that, like, we have Indian businesses and societies and all sorts of things. One of the great things about that is that you get a lot of free things. And nothing's wrong with free, amen? And what I would do is, as a young child, I would go to each booth and get all the free things. Until one day, when I was 12 years old, I actually came to one booth that was shaped like a little boat. A little boat. I never forgot that. I was so surprised. I was thinking to myself, what is a little boat doing in the midst of this park where this huge Indian fair is? What is it doing there? And it had little staircases, a little staircase. And so I was very curious and I heard a voice. So I walked up into this little staircase and I went inside and there were little Indian children and they were getting a Bible story read to them by an elderly Caucasian lady. It's To me, I'm still blown away at how she even got there because they're just Indians for miles. But what that boat was was none other than just a small replica of Noah's Ark. And so I had no clue what was taking place, so I sat down, and this woman, what she was doing was giving stories about Jesus. So here we are, me and my sister and some other Indian kids, and we're listening as this white lady is just giving us these stories about Jesus. I hardly knew anything about Jesus. So as I heard her, at the very end she said something very interesting. She said, who would like to accept Jesus as your savior? No one raised their hands, probably because we didn't know what she was talking about. Until she said something at the end that really caught my attention. She says that if you accept Jesus as your savior, you'll get a free Bible. (laughs) Now the one thing I heard was the word free. And I actually still have that Bible. I raised my hand, and I got that free Bible. It's actually my very first Bible. And the Lord has kept that Bible for me. It's somewhere in my house right now. I can't find it. But this was my very first Bible that was given to me. It actually still has the name of the lady. It still has the year. And it still has the date and our names as well, my my sisters and I. And uh, what was very interesting is that I ended up calling that that group that was actually responsible for distributing bibles last year and they were just they were just individuals who pass out bibles i called them up last year and i said hey i want to share a story with you guys and they were so blown away how just their simple passing out of the bible led to some hindu kid being converted and pastoring at a church right now folks we don't know the results of our labor Sometimes we can see the fruits of it, but we will never know until eternity and we will realize all that God has done. Amen? And so I was at the age of 12. I took that Bible and I put it, I tried attempting to read it, but it didn't quite make a lot of sense at that time, but I put it right back in the bookcase like several Christians do. I put it right back in the bookcase and it wasn't until the age of 18 and 19 when I got out of high school that I began to get my very, that I got my very first job. I worked at a place called Kmart. I was going to college as well. It was a community college. My sisters were all going to universities, but I wanted to do the smart thing, and that was go to a community college. And uh, my goal was, okay, my plan was two years in a community college and then transfer over to university. I ended up spending four years there at that community college before I transferred over to Cal State Fullerton. But this is how I grew up. And it wasn't until I got my job then I began to experience the freedom of, uh, of life. No longer under the control of my mom. When I left that house, I had my car. I could do whatever I want. I had a girlfriend at that time as well. And so this was my life. I began to explore new things. Well, I began to become very bored with a lot of those college classes. I actually stopped going to those college classes, ditching them. And where I would go was very interesting. I would actually go to the library, You know, train up a child on the way they go, and they'll never depart from it, right? And sure enough, I would go to the library, ditching these classes, and I would read books about a variety of topics. I'd read things about the occult and about spiritualism and all sorts of things. Well, one day, I found a book that was about prophecy, and this was the time during the 1999 when a lot of people were talking about Y2K and something big was going to happen in the world. But I was reading these books about prophecy and all about end time events, and I started, the word antichrist started coming up over and over again in what I was reading. And I began to ask people, what is the antichrist? I never forgot, I ended up asking one teacher one day. I said, what's an antichrist? And he explained to me what he thought antichrist meant. But it wasn't until later on that I had ditched one of my classes that I was actually going to the library. I read a book by a guy by the name of Hal Lindsey, which was called The Late Great Planet Earth. He's a minister that changes his prophecy every other week. And so he was talking about the Antichrist and what would take place in the Middle East and nothing about the scripture, but just what he was saying. And it wasn't until that I was just sitting down one day that I actually had this epiphany. I thought to myself, I know who the Antichrist is. It's Saddam Hussein. I really thought it was Saddam Hussein. Reading what I was reading in that book was leading me to understand that there was going to be some dictator who'd rise up in the Middle East, and he would cause a lot of problems for God's people, the Americans. And so (laughs) this is how I, I, I was reading this and interpreting this. And so what I began to do is tell people about this at my work. Never been to a Christian church, really hadn't picked up the Bible, but I started telling people about this at, at my work. So I walked into one, uh, one day into the break room, and I told this lady who was reading this really like uh, scandalous novel, and she was hiding it behind paper bags, <laughs> but I, I went up to her and I said, Margaret, I know who the Antichrist is. And she looked at me and she was like, Who? And I said with just very solemn tones, Saddam Hussein. And she looked at me, she said, oh, that's nice. And she went back to reading her book. (laughs) And so this continued several times, okay? But there was one individual who was actually new at our work. His name was Abraham, it's the guy right there. He's about a six foot five guy, really big, about 300 pound plus guy, really big guy. Actually called security on him the first time he had come into the, the store. But uh, little did I know he'd become the guy that would end up bringing me to the Lord. Sometimes we judge people too quickly by their appearances. But the Lord is leading us to understand man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Amen? And so this is what took place. I went into the break room one day, and Abraham had just started work there. It was his first week. I walked into the break room, and I said, Abraham, I have something to tell you. He's like, yeah? And I said, I know who the Antichrist is. And he looked at me, and he said, who? And I said, it's Saddam Hussein. And without even batting an eyelid, he just said, no, it's not. It's the Pope. Okay, you know what's very interesting? This is why it's so interesting. Abraham was a troubled kid. He was in continuation school. He got kicked out. He actually ended up doing something to his dad that he regretted in life. He came from a broken house, a home. But his mom had been praying for him. He was a struggling Adventist. Kid wasn't even baptized, okay? But his mom was praying for him. This was her prayer. Ready for this? That God would lead him to be a witness to somebody. And you know how the Lord answered that prayer? By sending me. (laughs) And so I went there, and he began to share with me, and this is really awesome, from the Word of God, from the Scripture itself, what the Bible was saying about prophecy. Can you say amen to that? This wasn't a book about prophecy. No, no, no. He was leading us straight to the Word of God. And as he was opening up the Scripture to me, I was so blown away because I actually had taken an interest in art history, specifically the Renaissance period. I knew what took place during the Dark Ages. So as he was sharing these things with me, I was so blown away because I knew that history was showing that the Bible could be trusted. Amen? Amen. And step by step, Abraham began to have studies with me. And here's the awesome thing. In the year 2000, we were both baptized. Actually, I got baptized right before him. So I always take a little pride in that. I always say I got baptized before the guy who brought me to the Lord. Folks, here's the thing. This is so awesome. Because this guy, Abraham, was a struggling kid. He wasn't somebody who was perfect. He actually grew up in Adventist schools and left Adventist school. He was somebody who came from a troubled background. He didn't have all his ducks in a row. He was an individual that had problems, like all of us. But God was using him to witness to somebody. And as he began to share the truths about Bible prophecy, I was so blown away about what I was hearing. I knew this was truth because I understood history. I could see the evidence for itself. And so when we made that decision to get baptized, it was awesome. We even went to a Mark Finley evangelistic series and we stayed there for about 15, 20 minutes. I got up there because I, I we sat down and actually had to get up after about 15, 20 minutes because there was just so many people there. And uh, we got up and left. And here's the thing. He continued giving studies to me. I'm so blown away by that because it wasn't a Mark Finley that won me to the Lord. It wasn't a Doug Batchelor that won me to the Lord. It wasn't some powerhouse preacher that won me to the Lord. It was a struggling Seventh-day Adventist kid that won me to the Lord. Which tells me something, that God can use anybody here. Amen? God can use an Alejandro. God can use a Patty. God can use a Brittany. God can use you. If God can use somebody like Abraham, he can use anybody. Amen? He can use rocks. He can use donkeys. There's nothing that God can't use to win people to the Lord. Amen? Amen. And so step by step, I continued my walk with the Lord. And I made a decision one night. I was praying when I was in the university. I was praying about what the next step should be. I was interested in going into law. My family wanted me to go to computer science or meds or good into pre-med, but I was really torn between those options, but I was really praying one night. And the night would just went later and later and later, and it wasn't until midnight that I just felt this power coming into my mind and just this message, and it was like a ton of bricks just exploding, and the words missionary school went into my mind. And I got up and I was like, missionary school? It was so random. And so I called up my friend Abraham, and I said, Abraham, we're going to missionary school. I volunteered him. And uh, he was still sleepy, so I called him up the next day, and I said, hey, we're going to missionary school. So we talked to our pastor, and our pastor said, all right, there's a little school up in Northern California, it's a four-month college, and it's about evangelism. And it was called Amazing Facts College of Evangelism. So we went there. But the very process of me going there and leaving my household was a tough one. My family was very angry, and my dad actually had just passed away, which was one of the most difficult things in my life. I had never been to another funeral, uh, any other funeral prior to that time. First funeral I went to was my dad. It's very interesting to all in the Hindu culture. There are several days in the year they call them. You can, they're like superstitious days. But when somebody dies on one of those days, your whole family is cursed. My dad actually died on one of those days. My uncle was terrified, and so he had a Hindu priest come during the funeral, during the cremation process, and do sort of a a counter spell to uh, defeat that curse. And so in the midst of this, I had just become Adventist, my dad passed away, now my family was giving me a hard time about being a Christian. They said, you don't need to do these things, you don't need to go to church, you need to go home, you need to stay home, you need to finish your education, and you need to get a job and get a family. But here's the thing. When you follow the Lord, several times you're going to have to make decisions in your life where the people around you are going to be angry. Where they're going to be frustrated with it. But if you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, God will see you through. Amen? God himself. Jesus dealt with dealing with... He dealt with uh, his own family that turned their back on him. His own brothers were angry at him because he was following God. My uncles were very uh, furious at, at me because I had become a Christian and that these things were taking place in my life. They actually tried to come to church one Sabbath to look for me. There was a lot of altercations, even some physical. And my own way of communicating to them wasn't the best either. Folks, remember what I said to you? we got to be careful lest we be breathing the same fire of that dragon. And a lot of times, even in the communication of the gospel, we can be overpowering and sometimes to the point where we can be condemning of others. But that's not what God wants. Amen? God is trying to save people. He doesn't want anybody lost. Amen? And it's taken years to rebuild that trust with my family. But sure enough, I went down up to Northern California. I began to be educated, learned about Bible prophecy, about uh, witnessing, about evangelism. Four-month course. At the end of that four month. I was so blown away by Christian education, I was so blown away by Adventist education that I thought to myself, I would really like to go back to an Adventist college. I had no money, though. No money. My parents, when it signed, the financial form slipped. I applied everywhere. All the Adventist universities, they all said, we'll accept you, we'll accept you, we'll accept you. But here's the problem. You need money. I didn't have that. But I know somebody who did. Amen? Amen. And if you seek His will, if you make His will supreme in your life, if you say, God, I want to honor you, He will honor you. Amen? And so I was, coming, I was applying to all the different colleges, but there was this one college. It was called Weimar College. It was located just about 45 minutes away from this four-month evangelism course that I had gone to. And so I applied. They said, hey, you're still going to need some money. The same problem I was happening, ha- that I had with all the other schools. The very last day that money was owed, I got on my knees and I said, God, this is it. You led me down right to this point. If you really want me to go to this school, and oftentimes God will lead you right down to the wire. And that's why it says in Psalms 46 that at the turning of the tide, he will answer. Right there, he brings us right down to the very end, right down to the line like a rubber band. He'll stretch us, he'll stretch us right down to it, just like Abraham, right when he's raising that knife, he will bring us right down to that point, and then he'll say, here it is. And sure enough, the very last day, when that money was due, I had nothing. I get this call from one of my Bible students, and they said, we are going to pay for your college. I said, what? And she said, we're going to pay for your college. I was so blown away. I immediately got in the car and raced over to their house. And it was awesome because I got into the very first quarter of Weimar College. And it was awesome. I absolutely loved that place. I was so blown away by godly Seventh-day Adventist people. Amen? It's not just about being an Adventist or a Seventh-day Adventist. It's about being a godly Seventh-day Adventist. Amen? You would think that would be understood, but unfortunately it's not these days. But here's the thing, quarter after quarter I had went, and the Lord through miracles provided for me. But he brought me down many times right down to the wire, and he says, are you going to be faithful to me or are you going to walk away? Are you going to be faithful to me or are you going to walk away? Are you going to trust me or are you going to walk away? And right down to the wire, I mean, it was a stretching experience, but God brought me right down to it every time he was faithful. I never forgot this one experience. I, was, I went to the finance lady, lady, and it's always tough to talk to the finance lady, but I went to the finance lady and I said to her, I said, okay, what do I owe? She says, you owe money for this quarter, and you need to pay it off, and you need money for next quarter. It was thousands of dollars. And I said, I don't have any money. <laughs> and so what happened is she said, let's pray. So we prayed at that very moment. I went back on the campus and was working. She calls me up one hour later, And she says, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? She said, somebody just called me right now, and they said they want to provide for your schooling. And I said, did you tell them? And she's like, I didn't call anybody. And then she said the most remarkable thing. She said, the lady said she was impressed exactly one hour ago when she was praying. What were we doing one hour ago? Praying too. Folks, when you pray, the Lord hears your prayers. Amen? The Lord hears your prayers. And sure enough, it was quarter after quarter after quarter, and God, I was able to finish all my credits. I graduated with a pastoral degree. But before I graduated, I was praying about the next step. I said, Lord, where do you want me to go next? I want your will. I want your will to be done. And it was awesome. A few months before I was to graduate, I I got this call... And it was a call from a pastor. His name was Jerry Nelson, and that was in Arroyo Grande. He actually used to be a pastor in this church. Um, And there he is right there. You can see my funny hair as well. (laughs) Praise the Lord, I get haircuts these days. (laughs) But anyways, so here's the thing. I started working working for him as a task force youth pastor for a year and a half. And it was an awesome experience. He was a great mentor. A few months before I was to finish up there, I was praying, Lord, what's the next step? I want your will to be done. And sure enough, I get a call, and the call was to join this evangelism team, and for two years, I would travel around up and down California doing evangelism, working with young people, speaking at schools and all sorts of places, and it was there that I was part of this team called the Youth Evangelism Team. Sometimes they come here from the conference, but I was part of this team, and it was such an exciting experience. The last year of the team, they asked me to lead the team, and they said, we want you to be the pastoral head of the team. And so the conference hired me, and they put me on ordination track, and they said, all right, you're now a licensed minister. And sure enough, this was a spectacular, it was a very difficult year, but it was a growing year. I was praying again. I said, Lord, what's the next step? And sure enough, a few months before, before I was to, uh, before the year was ending, I get this call from Pastor Mulligan. You guys know who Pastor Mulligan is? He's right there in the back. I'm not joking, just turn around, you'll see him right there. <laughs> I get this call. We can get my But here's the thing. Joyce had already been asking me a year prior, and I, and I, I love Joyce. Don't you love Joyce? She's here also. I love Joyce. But at the same time, I was just like, all right, God, if, if, if you're leading Joyce, you, I mean, you've got to make it clear. And sure enough, I get this call from Pastor Keith, and he says, the conference has approved. We're putting you over here. And so for the last three and a half years, I've been the associate pastor here. (laughs) Folks, I praise the Lord for all that he's done. (laughs) Amen? Now, this is the, the very first sermon I preached right here. See, I have a full head of hair. I've lost a lot of hair. I've got gray I look thinner there, too. I mean, I've just really changed the last three and a half years. But I praise the Lord. You know why? Because God is growing his remnant movement. Amen. Remember what I said to you? The the church is the audible gospel made what? Visible. The church is the audible gospel made visible. And I'm excited about the future because I believe God is leading us to be more than just a church, but to be an evangelism center. Can you say amen to that? Evangelism in all its form. We have Sabbath keepers. We have grief share. We have all these these ministries here, and it's exciting to be part of an end time movement like Pathfinders, to be part of all the the various arms of an exciting church like this. Can you say amen to that? But here's the thing to understand, family. You can be part of the church and still not be part of the body. You can actually be in the church and still not be part of the the living part of the body. But you see, when you're called to be part of God's end time movement, God doesn't call you here just to warm the pew for the next person. God calls you here to be part of this end time movement, to help carry the work forward. And the awesome thing is that many of you guys have talents and gifts you may not even be aware of. But as you participate in ministry, all of a sudden, these gifts are going to come to the forefront and God is going to show you, I've been preparing you for such a time as this. Can you say amen to that? And I praise the Lord for the series Adventist Church. I've been so blown away because when I speak at other churches, I always think to myself, there's no place like home. Amen? amen? There's no place like home. And it's exciting when you get to be part of a church that is active, that believes in the biblical message of Jesus' soon return. Can you say amen to that? that believes in the remnant church identity, that believes in the spirit of prophecy, that believes in the seventh-day Sabbath, that believes that we are living in the hour of judgment, that believes that he is doing awesome things in the lives of his people. Can you say amen to that? And I absolutely love it because I really wanted to point this picture here to give Millie a hard time. Here's the thing. Here's the thing to understand, folks. When you're joining the body of believers, you're going to come across a lot of diversity within the body. But that's okay. You press on and you help everybody to head towards the same goal, and that is heaven. Can you say amen to that? And folks, I believe with all my heart, God wants you not only to be part of the Seventh-day Adventist church, but to be part of the Seventh-day Adventist body, the living part of the church. Can you say amen to that? And so while you may come here, you say, I love the preaching, or I love the music, or I love the Sabbath school. Folks, God is saying, it's time for you to take the next step and be part of his end time movement. Can you say amen to that? And it's so exciting because when you're part of what God is doing, you're in the middle of his will. Amen? When you're part of what God is doing, you're in the middle of his will. You, took it, you take a good look at the, the life of Noah, for example. Remember that little boat that I walked into? You take a good look at the life of Noah. God told Noah, he said, all right, this is how big I want the boat to be. This is how big. Here's the length. Here's the width. Here's the material. Here's the pitch. He was providing all the things. Even God himself loaded it with animals. He provided the contents. But if you were to take that same boat and you were to take it to a modern-day boat builder and you would say, could this boat do well in the water? And they would say, absolutely not. Well, why couldn't this boat that God had instructed Noah to build, why could it not work today? And the boatmaker would say to you, there's no motor, there's no rudder, there's no sail. But here's the thing. That's exactly what God wanted. He wanted a boat that he himself could preserve and guide through the water. And guess what? It was the only boat that survived. Folks, you know what God is doing with your life? When you're saying, okay, God, you're going to lead my life, you're going you're to guide me, you know what God is saying? I want you to get rid of the rudder. I want you to get rid of that sail that you put up. I want you to get rid of that motor. Because I want to guide your life, God is saying. God is saying, I want to direct and guide you. Folks, over and over again, we have heard the message for the last 100 plus years and we're wondering, wait a minute, what is Jesus waiting for in his people? You know what he's waiting for? He is waiting for his people to be individually surrendered to him. Individually surrendered to him where they will allow God to do a mighty work in their lives. Can you say amen to that? By the way, this is something Joyce did. She toilet papered my car one day. And so just to let you know that uh, I, I praise the Lord for the mentorship that God has brought me under. But I believe God is saying it's time to go further. It's time to take the church into the direction God has called us, and that is to proclaim to the world the end time message. Can you say amen to that? It's exciting to be part of the remnant movement. It's exciting to be part of what God is doing. It's exciting to, to know that we're all on the path to heaven. But guess what? We've got to make sure we're all moving in that direction. Amen? It's time to cast off those things which easily beset us. It's time to remove the sin and say, all right, Lord, I want nothing to hinder me from coming to you. I want nothing from, to hinder me from coming to you. Folks, we got one life to live. We got one life to live, and that's why the Bible says about those who defeated Satan, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the righteousness of Christ alone, by the word of their testimony, and the fact that they did not love their lives even to death. Here's the question I want to ask you today, folks Is Jesus precious to you? Is he precious to you? Is he more precious to you than anything in this world? Is the Lamb of God the most important thing in your life or all He is is just a a category in your life? Or is He the most important thing in your life, folks? Is Jesus precious to you? Is He precious to you right now? What's on your thoughts and your mind right now? Is Jesus on your thoughts and your mind? What God can do in your life? Is is God on your mind today or is it the things of this world? Folks, understand that some must be There could be the potential that some of us may never return to this church next Sabbath. But folks, let it never be said that God never appealed to His people in this church. I believe with all my heart, God is calling His people to follow Him like never before. We're going to do something special. I always do this because I think it's extremely important. I'm going to call up all my elders up to the front right now. If you're an elder in my church, I want you to come to the front. And folks, this is the time that we need to come to the Lord, amen? This is a time that we need to receive the blessings of God. We should not let nothing hold us back from following Jesus. Folks, these are the times. These are the times. I'm calling all my elders up here because what we're going to be doing is we're going to be ending with prayer, amen? If you're somebody, you're somebody who's saying, Lord, I want to follow you in all parts of my life, But I have some struggles, but I'm coming to you. I want you to come up to the front right now. We're going to pray for you. If you're somebody who is saying, Lord, I just need prayer, I want you to come to the front right now and come receive prayer. Folks, our elders, the Bible says, the same Holy Spirit that was in Moses was in his elders. The same preaching that's up here, the same Spirit is in them as well. If you're somebody who needs prayer in our church, you're somebody who is struggling with decisions to follow the Lord, I want you to come up. Come forward and receive a blessing from God. Folks, we wanna pray for you. We wanna pray for you that you'll walk away from this Sabbath strengthened and knowing that God has called you for such a time as this. These are the times, folks. These are times that God opens up a special window of opportunity to bless his people. Don't miss a blessing you could receive. Don't miss a special blessing you could receive. I want, want to call people up forward. If, if you're somebody who needs prayer of any kind, come forward and receive it. Receive a blessing from the Lord. We want to pray for you and ask that Jesus would bless you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the Sabbath. As we go out, Lord, when we go out, knowing that you are building our testimony, you are making our testimony. Thank you in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse